Hey everyone, this is Dan, the GM, bringing you a special episode of What the Dice. This week is our two-year Q&A. That's right, we've been around for two years and we still haven't finished season one. I blame the team. Speaking of the team, they're all here with me as well as a special guest. This special guest is a friend of the show and a amazing author. This man is known by many as Librarian NPC. I like to call him Mr. Librarian Man. I would like to introduce Tony. Thank you for that introduction. Uh, so as Dan said, uh, I am Librarian NPC. Outside of my shenanigans, I am known as Anthony Domenico, Librarian, Game Designer, and uh, Author and Owner of Pithy Productions. You would find my games in multiple places, including the D12-powered comedy horror role-playing game Gas Bashers, which is inspired exactly by what you think. Dan has been gracious enough to allow me to be the moderator for our Q&A shenanigans today. And unless there's an objection, I'll get right to it. I do. I have one objection. I object that your librarian NPC name is just the perfect pun. I adore it so much. <laughs> There's a reason why I have that handle. <laughs> so let us hear who's all. So uh, guys, why don't you give the who you are and who you play? Not it. All right, I'll go ahead. I am Kalila Nightlin as the player. I play the sassy black cat. I elect the fibulous is next. Oh, do you elect me, huh? Well, I figured I was passing the dollar since nobody else was jumping up to the plate. Yeah, I'm Ethan. I play Defibulous, the gnomish gunslinger who likes to blow everything up. I am Pixie, and I play Faye, the uh, newer member of the team. And uh, she is a rogue and brand new cleric. This is all very confusing for her. I realized that I forgot to state that Kalila's the sassy black hunter, but... Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. It is I. Clyde, back from his world tour of hog ties and hugs for today only. Clyde! Oh my, oh my god! Oh my god, it's a Clyde! Hey, Clyde! Surprise <laughs> interception! Airdrop a paladin! Yes! <laughs> Please tell me this was the surprise that you didn't want to tell me. Yep. Ah! Hey, hey. I love it! So good! I am so glad to hear you. How are you doing? Are you doing okay? I'm, I'm doing okay. It's kind of on the lines of just kind of being perpetually tired. <laughs> I know that feeling. Every parent knows that feeling. <laughs> I mean, isn't that the millennial existence? Yes. Yes, it is. <laughs> I'm, it. I'm not a millennial. <laughs> I am by like one year. Age. Just a number. <laughs> All right, so uh, now that literally the entire crew is here, Librarian NPC, Mr. Librarian Man, take it away. All right, so I wanted to start off with one that I think is a rather nice gem. Would you rather fight 100 mimic-sized mimic or one mimic-sized mimic? And who asked this? That was from, uh, that was uh, DP from Space Castle. Dan, would you like to start since you're the GM and... Uh, I'm sure you have a penchant for mimics. 
what do you mean I have a penchant for mimics? Our little <laughs> dice monsters are not mimics. They're extraplanar creatures. Thank you very much. But look, if you are a DM and you don't like mimics, are you really doing it right? I actually prefer oozes and gels. Thank you. I know. They're rude. <laughs> Um, honestly, I think dealing with a single mimic is a lot easier than dealing with a, a, a hundred mimic-sized mimics, because then you're only dealing with one. Swarm tactics are great as a GM, horrible as a player. I actually would like to have some clarification on what the size of a mimic-sized mimic is. There's zero clarification. The question, as written, is 100 mimic-sized mimics? Or one mimic-sized mimic. I mean, if as long as they're not taking the form of bitey <laughs> cattle drops. Can you imagine if a cattle drop could also not just stab you, but bite you? Yes. Ow. That's just double rude. Double rude, right? Nom nom, the toes. I thought Legos did that. <laughs> I mean, if we're talking as far as, like, being victorious, I will rather fight one mimic-sized mimic, but for sheer entertainment, I'd rather fight a hundred mimic-sized mimics, because I'm curious on what a mimic-sized mimic is. It's a mimic-sized mimic. I was gonna say, I have to slide with Kalila, because I know this entire group's just gonna uh, wild-shot every blasted mimic there is. We can always just tie them together. Oh, there you go. The mimic ball. <laughs> It's like a Mimic Bolo. That is yes. a great idea, thank you. Can we weaponize Mimics now? <laughs> I'm going to do well, it. Yeah, I mean, I mean, 3M has nothing on Mimics. They're self-adhesive to the nth degree. They, they really are. I've, I've run into a couple of them on other settings. They're, that that was part of the, uh, the appeal of one of them in particular. <laughs> I'm just imagining like that whole like how do you rev a cat? You pick it up and you shake it and throw it. Like I want to do this with mimics now. <laughs> I'll get to work on that. Don't worry. Thank you. Oh boy. See what you've done. So any other comments on our? <laughs> yeah. Any other comments on mimic before we continue on? I personally, I want the experience from 100 mimics. I'm just gonna put that out there right there. I want the experience <laughs> and the loot. You know, you're not wrong. It might really be worth fighting a hundred mimics just for the experience and the loot alone. And we have explosive. We do. And C4. You have like one or two bricks left. We have at least two. It'll definitely be a blast no matter what we do. <laughs> I have a feeling I, I, I could taunt enough of them. Right? Just bat them off the shield. Boom, boom. I mean, could you really bat them off if they're like sticking to them like barnacles? Depends on what their mimic look like in Mickey Paladin shield bash. Poosh. It makes such a squishy noise. And last call for mimics. Going once. Going twice. Yeah, I think that's good. And now we move on to a question from Tomes of the Chaos Bard at Chaos Bard Pod. First question from them. How frequently do you record? I guess this one's for me. Uh, so... As of this recording, we record every other Sunday for four hours, but due to life things, we are going to amp up our recording schedule just so we can get through season one within a certain time frame. It's okay. You can announce it. Yeah, then you announce it. It's not my life. I am pregnant. I am due in March, so we're going to attempt to wrap all of this up before 
<laughs> before I go pop. So um, things will be getting fun. It sounds like it. Congratulations. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Surprise, baby. Definitely surprised. This was not planned, guys. I am so sorry for all of the hassles about to ensue. <laughs> but at the same time, it just opens up the door for so many more shenanigans, doesn't it? Oh, she has enough shenanigans in her life, trust me. But now that we know how frequently you have been recording and that you will be recording, the follow-up to that is, from start to finish, how long does it take for you to finesse and release an episode? Okay, so this actually has a couple variances in it. So one of the things is you, when we go for our four-hour recording sessions, we don't actually record for four hours. We actually record for like three hours and 40 minutes, something like that. So if you take that time and then taking it to me having to put it into our editing software and then all the sound effects, everything, it does depend. There are days where I can knock out an entire edit in about eight hours. And then there are sometimes it takes me days just because of either all the extra sound effects I'm adding, extra music, corrections of audio, things like that. And then I quality listen to every episode and send them back for edits. Yeah. Well, most of the time there's not many edits needed. So it, it does depend. And one of the things is we have a bar that we kind of set ourselves to. And though it is very high, I really do try to hit that bar every single time. And if not, Kalila makes me go back and make it better. I'm a very demanding quality assurance. <laughs> Unless you have anything else to add, shall we continue on? Short and sweet. Yep. All righty. So the next uh, set of questions uh, is from uh, Nary Quack. Uh, so it's at Nary Quack underscore VA, co-owner of uh, Creative Typo. That's at Creative Typo. Post of at Into the Night Pod. Now, I want to go ahead and note that her author, Carolyn Jim, uh, was it? Sorry, Giamanco. I really got to get my glasses checked. Uh, but yes, her author, Giamanco, Carolyn Giamanco, just released the physical copy of the book Into the Night. Uh, let's see. There is a link in the uh, Into the Night Pod.com. So if Ooh. you want to go ahead and check that out go ahead support uh, not only an author but a podcast go ahead and hit up into the night pod.com take a look at the link go buy a book as a librarian i am telling you go buy a book <laughs> as an avid reader and aspiring writer that is really cool that you've got that published congratulations yeah nari has been a really good friend of the show she i think is actually one of our first listeners she was she one of the first that ever said anything, I think, so yeah. Yeah, and she is one of the few that has literally threatened to strangle me due to character stuff. Yeah, she really wants to understand the old man in the book. I say nothing. I can see why. So what questions Not do it. you get for us? <laughs> yeah. Sorry, old man in a book? Old librarian here? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Not it. Anyway, uh, so uh, this is tied very much to the last couple questions. Exactly how much of a backlog do you have or have you already played the whole campaign? So um, we have 
what did I, I I did this math we have 37 episodes in backlog currently that is both stuff that is pending release and that is being uh, being edited now this information is for uh, November 13th when we're recording the Q&A those notes are off of what releases on December 30th so anything after this recording that is the most accurate right now um we have not actually played the whole campaign we are we're still in the middle of it yeah we're still in the middle of it we haven't finished season one we still have i'd say we're like two-thirds i think we mapped it out to about 39 episodes that we need to record i think is what nightland and i did the math on i think yeah it was maybe not 39 it's in the 30s there's at least a predicted minimum of 25 to 35 more episodes, you know, because it's, it's hard to predict, especially with our, our team of, of, as we said, herding cats. Um, we can we can make predictions of, well, this will probably take an hour or two to get through, or, okay, that might be an entire four-hour session. Um, sometimes things are faster, some things are slower, so we have a buffer zone, but we have about probably 30 more hours to record. Yeah. Something like that. As long as Clyde doesn't come back, then it comes even longer. No, come back. Come back. Anytime. It would be great. Please. Speaking of of coming back, Clyde, we were actually thinking about asking you if you wanted to come back for the final battle. Just let me know if that is something you would be up to. It would be a. We have big plans, and you coming back would be beyond epic. Just Just for like one to two sessions, man. It would be the final boss battle. I would, I would love to to do that. I just have to um, talk to my lovely wife, and hopefully, we could probably plan to do that. We yeah. could probably give you at least a month of warning. Yeah, I'll be able to give you a couple months warning. Perfect. Sweet. Woo! Tentative. Woo! So now that we know about the backlog, now we actually get into an in-character question. Ooh. So we're gonna go ahead and start with uh, Defibulous on this one, and. Uh, the fibulous can then pass you can then pass it along to uh whomever you choose so this is aimed at each player what do you imagine dancing with the fish sword looks like Hmm. dancing with the fish the fish sword are we talking the same sword that is notorious for being used against just about anyone and everything yes the one that requires you to slap somebody i i love that sword that was just an amazing sword so (laughs) Um, I think the dancing would just depend on the character. I mean, Defibulous trying to dance with it, I think the sword is bigger than he is. So it's not more as much of a dancing as him trying to lift it and just spin spin it like a top. If you want to count that as dancing. I mean, you're not going to be able to dance with that attitude. I mean, come on. Oh, no one said he could dance to begin with anyway. I imagine Defibulous has, like, one of those, like, um... The the Irish, not the Irish, the the Russian kick dance is what he does when he's trying to swing it. Oh, I could actually see that. I like that. Kabushka. <laughs> yes, that. Kalila, you're up next on that question. Oh man, you know I was actually trying to think about this, and it's because maybe I can't dance, so I just imagine just like a nice little hip sway. One of those like old. Uh, Dan can correct me with the the era, but like uh, the old black and white comedy slap comedies where it's just mostly just kind of a wiggle yeah yeah 
I can see that for quite a while. What is that? Like the 1950s? I think so. Maybe, yeah, she was a cat, so nice little little hip 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 and tail sway until she can like saunter up and whack. You have to pick someone, Kalila. Oh right, we're gonna toss this one to Clyde. Oh, oh, he's he he's jumping down and doing some break dancing. <laughs> <laughs> he's got that whole um, head twist going down and then spinning around. Oh yeah. Oh, so you're going to break dance to break your enemies. Is that what I'm hearing? I'm going to break dance, get close enough to hug him. He was a hugger. He was. Yep. Hug it in. Yep. Hug it in. Oh, boy. And I don't think Faye ever touched the, the, the dancing, the fish sword, did she? No, but if nope. she had, it would probably end up looking like, uh, you know, the Lindy Hop. Yeah, we're gonna take it back a little bit. Very, very vintage. Lindy Hop. Nice, Lindy Hop. <laughs> I like it. Oh boy. Alright, so moving on. Uh looks like Nightland snuck a couple questions in. Mostly out of sarcasm. But we can start off with you anyway. Oh, How many times has Kalila climbed a tree? Oh my god. Um you know, you would think that I would have kept tally on this. My my guess is, is I think three or four times. Oh, I can count like at least four when I was a part of it. Okay, so maybe five. Because once in, at least once in your um, character creation, um, oh, once when you got to the city, at least once or twice, no, at the yeah, original, once... like, narrow cloud, there was at least yeah. two times she climbed a tree. Exactly. Oh, man, maybe it's closer to, like, six or seven times. Are we counting the, like, dream sequence from 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 the, the goddess temple? When she had Why to, not? like, jump up and go grab the key that was, like, super high up? It was Actually, technically I mean... a tree. Yeah. Snap. It could be, like, in the seven or eight, seven or eight regions. We haven't been around a lot of trees lately, so <laughs> it's definitely in, like, the first half of the season. I think at least one more after the Murdoch, when we were having kind of a relaxation episode. Yeah, you, when you went hunting, you guys went up in a tree. Yep. I did. And it doesn't include the, uh, the random things that your character climbs up anyway. Well, I mean, I got a ridiculously high acrobatics. Girl's gonna climb, man. If you got it, flaunt it. Right! I mean, not wrong. Alright, so my best guess is eight times. So for you listeners, if you want to go ahead and go through and find exactly how many times Kalila has climbed a, a tree, drop us a line. Let us know. Message me in Discord and tell me. Yeah, if you come and message me in Discord and tell me an accurate number, I'll send you a free sticker. Mm. Score swag. Yep. If you can tell me how many times I've officially climbed a tree, you will get swag. I mean, I'll even help throw in some swag on that one. Because that's going to be some interesting listening to figure that one out. Make a little tally somewhere. Oh, yeah. Now we're going to have to start sneaking that into the corner of the podcast, right? <laughs> All right. So on a uh, slightly different note, could someone tell me what is the rate of descent of a yeeted defibulus? 9.8 meters per second. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to ask, is he going to be considered fully loaded, and is he firing to slow his descent? 
Or did he fire to accelerate? <laughs> the answer is yeep. Ow. Nylon's got a point. Did he fire to accelerate his ascent? Yeah, you actually missed it. I, in one of the episodes, he, I think, fired something or something exploded, and he literally got launched. He was yeeted. There is, oh there is a, a, a point where he legitimately got yeeted. That's hilarious. And ended up bald. And he ended up completely hairless. No eyebrows, no eyelashes, no hair, no nothing. Completely bald wow. and nebulous from a wild shot. Sounds like a pretty wild time. It was a wild time. It's a wild shot, a wild time. I see what you did there. It was a wild magical time. Mm-hmm. Well, speaking of uh, <clears throat> magical time, how many times has the party been tied together? At least seven that I know of. Oh, snap. You would have the best recollection of this one. <laughs> oh, man, you've been oh, keeping count. Full full party tied up once. Like, when everybody was together, fully tied up once. I thought it was twice. No, it was once. It was a lot. It was when you guys were in the cursed swamp, you guys got tied yeah. together to stay together. Oh, but and then. There was multiple times where you guys got tied either. Like, to one or something. two. Yeah. And then um, went away and then untied and then retied somebody else. Like, going across that little narrow area, one person got tied, went over. And then re-switched up and everything. Okay, so officially the whole party once together, but there's been multiple times that there's been at least two or more. We really do have a thing with tying each other up in this game. Faye got tied to a broom. Yeah. I, I have no idea what you're talking about right now. Wow. You guys been having fun without me. After uh, sticking her arm in a gelatinous cube. That's for Errol. Never happened. Her. Never happened. Don't know what you're talking about. I don't know. I think there's some recording of it. There's proof. Okay, look, on that, all I'm going to say is there's what I, as a player, know, and there's what Faye, as a character, knows. She's an urbanite rogue. I know things she doesn't. She stuck her arm in the ooze. She denies it happens. <laughs> and Kalila, having learned from Clyde, intelligently tied a rope to her before she did this, being like, well, just in case, so I could yank her back to safety. <laughs> And then flew around the room with her all. <laughs> and then because she was paralyzed for 12 rounds, Kyle was like, well, I can't fight off this, like, 10 by 10 cube with just me and Defibulous and tied her to a broom and flew around in the cave to protect her. I missed something amazing. It, it worked. It worked. I missed something completely amazing. You it did. was amazing, sir. But I have no idea what you're talking about right now. I'm, Every time I'm we tie sad. anybody up, we think of you. That's, that's nice. I like that. That makes me feel good inside. Yep. Every time. And there's been times even in character, Kalila's just like, I almost should be using what's-his-name's line of like, gee, sure would be nice to have a paladin right about now. Ah, uh, yes. My lovely Huggadin. I mm -hmm. miss him greatly. To uh, continue on here, uh, this one's aimed at the Fibulous. So, Defibulous, what is your favorite color? Defibulous's favorite color. I actually put thought in this a while ago, but I think that paper got thrown in the trash while doing random cleaning. Um, I think I had it as either green or blue. I'm not 100% sure, but I'm going to lean more towards green. 
And if you, uh, somebody asks you next time, it'll be blue, right? It might. You never know. I'm old. I forget things. Get yeeted off a bridge. <laughs> Every time I get yeeted, I'll change the color. <laughs> <laughs> Let's keep going for everybody. What is everybody's favorite color? I would say Kalila's favorite color is probably in the purples. Say favorite is neutral color. Like a neutral beige, a neutral gray, a neutral... I'm an artist here. There's a lot of neutrals. <laughs> this is true. Grays. Thank you. What about Clyde? Orange. Orange? I can't help it. I, I, I always like orange. You know, it was so funny when I, I was sketching that picture and I was like, what the frick color shirt would he just wear? And I was like, I'm just going to make it orange. Yep. It looks good in it, though. If it gets the job done. Mm -hmm. I, that's what matters, isn't it? Yes. Mm -hmm. So, uh, once again, we are back to a Defibulous question. Uh, Ethan has submitted, how many times has Defibulous used brass bolts? Uncountable. Yeah. <laughs> Almost. Much like brass bolts. I was thinking about this, and... He says it a lot in the beginning of the season, and then it kind of tears off until you guys get to the Murdoch. And then there's a lot of, oh, brass bolts. And yeah. Stranger Danger. I think you say Stranger, Stranger Danger, Danger like six times. Only six? I, I'm pretty sure it was at least double that. There were a couple of pathetic Stranger Dangers. Yes, there were. Defibulous also likes just to mutter it periodically now. Just brass bolts. Mm -hmm. This is true. So again, another official thing. If you come back and tell me how many times so far in our season, I will send you loot. Let me know so I actually have an accurate number. And we could start up a Brass Bolts tally after that. Mm-hmm. Now, speaking of tallies, this one should be a fun tally as well. How many explosions have occurred in the game thus far? <laughs> that we have caused or that has just occurred too many, for Faye. too many for <laughs> Faye gosh if there's too many for Faye that means there's a whole lot more than I know of oh definitely sir um, it also I mean are we talking memorable explosions that, or just everyday random explosions there is no such thing as random explosions with this team you guys have planned every explosive we didn't no, 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 no. no, we had one random explosion. That was that cart that suddenly went boom. We were like, oh, I guess there was something in that. That went boom. Point. No, no. Defibulous had something to do with it. No, no, no. That was the house that Defibulous had something to do with. Also accurate. Are you talking about the brother fight? No, you guys set that thing off. Yeah, that one might have been Kalila's fault. Yeah, but it like we, we hit it and we didn't know it was going to go... Holy crap, kill two people and then maim one person. Explosion. Maim? You blew his, his you blew him away. He's nothing but an arm. Yeah, that that's, you know, maiming in the sense. I mean, when you set a giant fireball on top of a cannon, you kind of expect it to explode. We just have fun blowing stuff up. That's what it comes down to, and we're good at it. Sometimes a little too good. So, what was our very first explosion? The... Barracks with the undead army in it. So yeah, far, I think that's yeah, the, the best one. All right, so we had the barracks, then and the then cannon the... exploded. Yep. No, it goes barracks, then it goes 
uh, the cannon. No, it doesn't go to the cannon because we stopped at the the uh, Defibulus's grandfather's tavern. You did blow a big chunk of the grandfather's. Yeah. Oh, so I thought that was after. Explain. I was going to say that afterwards. Yep. Yeah, okay. I thought that was after too. But okay, so that makes three, regardless of order. There was the Gatling guns in the Murdoch, where we with the t all the turrets on the on the uh, rats and and on the cave. Yeah, yeah that was number me. four. And we did. There was one on the door just to get it open. There was the gas line one that uh, yeeted Defibulous. All right, that was number six. The Argaroth, the Rogaroth fights. Oh, yeah, we Did blew Argaroth... up the forge. Oh, snap. Wasn't there two of them with there Argaroth, the Rogaroth? three of them. Was yeah. there guys... three in that battle? There may have been. Th it was uh, that arc. I believe there was three. You had the, the forge, and then you had where they were reloading the sky missiles, the sky warning flares. Yep, and I think there was no, maybe there was only two. I thought there was only two in that, so that puts us at eight. And that does not count all the times you guys have used wild shot because wild okay, shot. Well, I don't think that counts using wild shot because that is not us intentionally setting an explosion. That is because <laughs> yeah, it, it is. is wild shot. But you accept, you accept the odds when you take that shot. Okay. Well, the only one that's ever exploded was the one in the bar. I was just saying, that sounds like a terrible place to have an explosion. Yeah, it was his uncle's bar. It's set up like this beautiful, like, naturey greenhouse, like, all around Defibulous. And then the next one was this giant fire explosion that set, like, a quarter yeah. of his bar on fire. Yep. And some of the, like, a forest right on top of myself. The next one was a fireball right on top, of, right into the forest. Yep. And we had to pay for that. Or we, uh, put we the made the Holy City pay for it. The Holy City pay for it. You didn't even go to the Holy City. You pawned it off on the Institute of Extraplanar Studies. No, we we uh, built it to the no, Holy City that time. Yeah, we built it to the Holy City. Okay. <laughs> I remember it differently, but whatever. It doesn't matter. It's coming out of the coffers of the Holy City. Mm-hmm. Either way, somebody's paying for it. I think our official count is eight so far. I have to work on that. No. Not in our current habitat. Are you sure? Very. Doesn't matter that we're, you know, where we're at. I'll still blow something up. This is true. How many times have I already offered you to use a C4 down there? I think at least three. Yeah, three sounds about right. Maybe four. Since we're on the topic of uh, memorable explosions, uh... The next question on the list was, uh, what is your most memorable moment? And this time we're going to start with Faye, since uh, she was last last time. I still really appreciate finding that ticket in the Book of Shadows. Um, I also I also appreciate the thought and symbolism of her dream where uh, she's inducted as a formal cleric. Um, and personally, as a player... That is actually my first skeleton reanimation, so that that's kind of cool. Um, I, I I don't know. It, it, it's kind of kind of a lot stands out because this is my first rogue, so there's a lot that I'm learning and actually had been doing wrong. <laughs> oh no! Yeah, it's funny. This is your first paladin. This is her first rogue. Oh no! When you two switch sides. 
Yeah, because I'm I'm 100% usually always rogue. Yeah, well, I'm kind of missing your wisdom here. Oh, no. I'm so <laughs> sad. Who are you tossing the ball to, Fang? Mm, let's go with Clyde. Blech. All right, Clyde, most memorable moment. <laughs> that your most memorable moment? <laughs> so for those of you who aren't in the know, that is from the Jello trees in the cursed <laughs> swamp, where they made you extremely nauseous, and Clyde got yanked out of one, <laughs> and all he could do was. <laughs> but for the next like 10 minutes that's all we could laugh about because it was, they were, it was just perfect they were like alright you come on you're really dizzy <laughs> what <laughs> it was a perfect perfect running gag oh it was great <laughs> gagging yeah I think that's probably one of my uh, most memorable ones because obviously I still remember it and it can be summed up in one word yeah not even a word <laughs> <laughs> sound? A monosyllabic sound. Yeah, there you go. Speaks volumes. Onomatopoeia. Everybody understands. You're not wrong. So, Clyde, who are you throwing it to this time? Uh, let, um, let's see here. Oh, let's go with the Fibulous. Most memorable moment with the Fibulous. I think it was finally dealing with his brother and all the trouble after all the trouble that his brothers caused him. I think that's like the most memorable moment for me with with Defibulous, and the fact that he practically adopted the party then as his family. So the treasure was the family we found along the way, right? Pretty much. Aw, some sweet level of sap. See that or more explosions. Take your pick. Which, uh, from the player side, I believe that brings us to Kalila, right? Yeah, I guess I count in this one. Yep. So what is your most memorable moment? I would, there's, there's probably, I'm up there with a lot of them, but I would say, oh, it's so hard to choose. I would say one of probably Kalila's most memorable moments, aside from being booped by her goddess, uh... The very first explosion, blowing up a building with with this strange little gnome man named Defibulous, you know? Like, it, it was still kind of early in the game, and I think that's really where their friendship started to grow, because it was the, and now we're going to have to go explain this to Clyde, and as he's like, we're running away from the bridge, being like, get down, get down, and he's like, what did you do? Like, the older brother moment, you know? <laughs> really solidified... <laughs> yep. I think the party dynamic. And in, in our defense, we were left unsupervised. So we we really were left <laughs> unsupervised. <laughs> uh, so I actually have two favorite moments. Uh, going along with what Nightland said is the the moment when the team, when Kalila and Defibulous first interacted with one of the blessed uh, mortals from. The Bone God, uh, Kalila shoots him in the back of the head. Oh, yeah, he sits like, back huh? up with an arrow what? in his head. The heck? What happened? I remember that. Yeah, uh, that one. Yeah, that that was uh, a really memorable moment. And then the other one is sneaking up on Faye when she <laughs> during her uh, character introduction. Mostly because it's the I've been had, and it's like, yep, yep, you have. 
That should have been a question. How many times has Faye said, I've been had? How many hours <laughs> long is our, uh, has it been since the Murdoch? We can add one about one an hour. It's, I've been had and I'm not getting paid enough for this. Two of the most memorable Faye quotes. Mercenary Rogue, what do you expect? Not to pick up a cursed weapon. All right, look, she's new at the whole magic thing, okay? You're not wrong. You read it in books, though. <laughs> Use your wisdom. Okay, well, it seemed like an enchantment more than a curse, okay? <laughs> Rogues should be the most cautious ones of the group. Oh, they never are. I've played rogues my whole life. No, no, no. We throw caution to the wind. <laughs> All right, let's like do a this. Really bad let's idea. Let's have the rogue do it. Yeah, see, if it's yeah. a bad idea, the rogue has the highest survival chance. Yeah, uncanny. Yeah, I have one other favorable moment. Um, it is, I think it's actually like several minutes long of, we need to follow that cursed item. Oh, I'm not ready doll. yet. It's gonna get away. Oh, I love that one between me and Clyde, where it's the whole, I got to track it. We can't go, but if I don't track it, we can't kill it anyway. I'll put a sign on it. Because <laughs> it, it. Where was the storm in oh, the yeah. house? Yeah, it, but it, it leads into like that first one of like the first time before um, Clyde becomes a paladin, he. They find a cursed doll. They just literally throw <laughs> a bag over it and put a sign that says, do not touch. Hey, we put a rock on top of it. Seems sir. reasonable to me. Whatever. Drop on right? Yeah. You know, in a, cur in a cursed swamp that was a bunch of undead kobolds, you know, seemed like a great place to hide them. It was a reasonable assumption for a re unreasonable scenario. <laughs> that whole area was unreasonable. <laughs> At the time, Kalila was like, oh, this poor little child. And Clyde's like, it's going to eat you. Don't touch it. Oh, the cannibal ch cannibal kid. Yeah, yeah, that was good, too. Wacky fun. Yep. All right, let's see here. Actually, Danielle, on uh, that note, let's move to uh, the question from Dane from No Quest Cast. And again, that's at No Quest Cast. Question again, aimed at you, Dan. How do you balance an engaging narrative with the unpredictable nature of players and roles? So I am not your normal type of GM. Uh, there's every now and then you'll see questions on Twitter about like, what's your prep like? So to give a really brief synopsis of what my prep looks like before I started the season, I wrote an outline of what the MacGuffins were for each arch arc. That's it. Uh, then it evolved to where I have a mind map in my office that kind of gives me the going A to B to C to D. Everything else, I play off the hip. Uh, I really rely on all of the times I've watched movies, played video games, read books, learning that narrative and how things should flow and how to, like stuff from like when I was in college learning to be a director, learning how to storytell off the hip. And it helps that I've got a team that is very reactive to a lot of stuff. So sometimes I go into, like, all of our dream sequences are completely ad-libbed. Like, I plan, I think, what, 1%? Maybe 2. On a good day, 3. But I really try to let... I try to live in the moment with the players because it gives... It gives the world more life. Um... And, you know, when it comes to dice rolls, I have a, an idea in my head of, like, how difficult to easy. So I actually scale it as they're rolling. So it's 
I give situational bonuses that they don't know about and stuff like that. So I, I really try to feel it of a how would it feel in real life, I guess, because the real life is kind of chaotic. So I want the, the game world that they're in to be chaotic. I feel if I plan out too far ahead, I railroad people, and I feel like railroading is not the way to do a narrative game. Unless you have to. Then, you know, it happens. Railroading is situational. If you need them to get somewhere or do something in a certain amount of time, you can kind of sort of put the bumpers on the bowling lane, so to speak. Yeah. I mean, technically, the Murdoch was completely written out. Um, I think that's but... our most written out thing ever. That took me six months to write. You're uh, never okay. Yeah, but a murder mystery is a bit different. You're, you're never allowed to do a murder mystery ever again. It was great. It was check the bucket list done. Oh my god, it was so much work. But it turned out great as a player. That was great. I'm so sad Gosh. I didn't get to finish that. I still I didn't get to hear uh, who the murder person is, so I have to keep doing that. Oh well, it's out and. Well, no, it should be out. I think the They're ending is out. close to it, but by the time they get to hear the two-year anniversary, it'll be released. Yeah. As a crew member, you should have access to our full playlist over on YouTube. And if you are in Patreon, and you're a Patreon uh, listener or a Patreon subscriber, I believe one of our tiers gets you access to our full playlist. As I finish it, it gets posted. And you get to create weapons and add them to our Mexi shop. Speaking of Mexi, Mexi's another favorite character or moment was just you guys dealing with Mexi all the time. Mexi's, I like Mexi. I'd like to use that as a uh, as a quick segue here uh, because no, this opened the door perfectly. Uh, so from Dude, Where's My Drift uh, at DWMD Podcast, I believe it was Pay, wanted to know who is your favorite NPC? I love Mexi or the Rat Scholar. They're by far my favorite. But that's because I think I helped shaped Mexi. <laughs> yeah. I think my favorite is that the bone guy, the librarian. Oh, was he a librarian? Yeah. The old librarian, the old uh The skeleton? Bookkeeper. Yeah, the book yeah, the bookkeeper skeleton dude. Really? He's one of my favorite. Why do you like that one? Um, well, from the last Q and A, is because I feel like he is possibly the uh, narrator. Mmm. Mmm. Conspiracy theory. I like it. Get out your tinfoil. You know what that stuff costs. You can't be wearing tinfoil these days, children. If you have your own theories, you can join us on our Discord. We have a fan theory post, too. Show theory yeah, that'll actually later. drive Kay nuts with that one, considering they were already thinking uh, other conspiracy theories behind who the old man is. Same with Nari. Like, everyone has this fascination with the storyteller. I'm not saying nothing. I know exactly who he is. I think. <laughs> Jerry's still out. What yeah. about uh, Defibulous and Faye? What are your favorite NPCs? Rat Scholar, just because I love the, every time we see him, he's beating someone with a fish or something. Or a book. Yeah. Constantly throwing books at people. He does the things that I wish I could do on a daily basis in real life. <laughs> Truth. Truth. 
<laughs> I know that feeling. I actually, Faye would love to go back and visit the lizard folk at the end of the Murdoch arc. Oh, the the southern. That was good. I'm surprised your answer wasn't Baka. Baka, say it. Okay, that is my favorite NPC. Am I alone that I like Sir Reginald? Yes, yes. You were totally alone. You're you're alone. You know, though it. I honestly, out of all of our NPCs, I like. I like the creation process that it took me to make Sir Reginald, but with Sir Reginald and like, honestly, once we started getting more into the more Southern stuff, that's when I had a lot more fun because being from Florida, you have a lot of those Southern accents that you hear and it's, it's refreshing to play with those accents. And it was a lot of fun. Uh, Godspell is like swapped wolves. You got this like sudden twang it, it thanks to Kalila, we ended up getting swamp dwarves because we were discussing. That is entirely my fault. I <laughs> I love it as a concept. Yeah, like <laughs> everyone does Irish and Scottish dwarves, and there's nothing wrong with it. But we were it, we were like discussing what we wanted to do. I can't do an Irish accent to save my bloody life and your scottish is okay but i'm like that's cliche that's cliche yeah. and i was like what about a southern draw and i think we had just started getting i think we were also working with uh one of the npcs that we're designing for some collabs that i did which one of the collabs is out uh it's by i rolled a one and it's uh eddie sparks who is a, a southern baptist he's got that southern baptist draw uh, we were messing with that voice a little bit, and that ended up becoming. She was like, "No, I want swamp dwarves," and it, it and then it was it divulged into a swamp dwarf, swamp dwarf. I swamp literally dwarf. was chanting swamp dwarves. So then we ended up getting swamp dwarves, and you get your your sudden accent, and you get your Mayor Meyer right here. You know what I'm talking about? I know you know what I'm talking about. He's going to get me. He's gonna get me. He's he's gonna get me. He's got a vision back. Hey, I, I love the fact that you know the work you had me do with the murder or Godspell, and then seeing you guys put the dwarves in a much different light just made it even more amazing. Yeah, actually, that's one of the things that we never talk about is I don't write everything. Um, Defibulus actually designed most of the Murdoch. Uh, he wrote Godspell. Godspell. Thank you, Godspell. Uh, he wrote the backstory, some of the lore, and then I read over it. We made some notes. We made some changes. And then I said nothing about what changed because I wanted him to be surprised. And then I had Kalila and I sit down and draw out the map. And then Kalila is actually the one that designed the world of the Miranda, which I'm not going to give. We're in the middle that. of that right now. Yeah. So, but yeah, that was a lot of, like, the, the the communal story building of what the dice has also been really fun. It helps take off the pressure on the GM, too, to like, well, also, in case listeners don't know, Defibulous has been a longtime GM as well. He's been running his own games, so he has a lot of experience in building and developing and running and creating world and lore and what have you. And I'm just pretty 
I, I just like design conceptually. I am not a GM by any rights. But I'm like, this is cool, though. Well, I think also it what really makes what really makes it me really happy with the whole you know the game we're doing is the fact that the players are involved in shaping it, not just you know by the story, but you know we've all had some type of input that has affected or gone into the game itself, and then is reflected back out in the end. And I think that's a wonderful, wonderful way to do it because that means everyone is involved and gets to have a, have a can say yeah, I wasn't just playing it; I was part of it. Right, because yeah. like with Clyde even in his backstory and like with the orcs and stuff a lot of that entire arc down with down at what is it hold, his holds keep i forget what it's called is was it just holds keep yes i think so mm, i think so yeah right yeah. and and hold keep yeah. hold keep yeah hold keep and developing the orc problem which developed argaroth the ragaros right and like this the 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 center center bit around the fire and the volcano like that whole region of the world was developed based off of Clyde's backstory. And this is exactly what tabletop gaming is about. Building things together. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that's, like, as a GM, I feel like taking everyone's backstory, short, long, whatever it is, and developing a world around that, you know, you might, as a GM, you don't always get all the praise for all the work you do, but... You know, honestly, just hearing the story play out is a lot of fun just for me. Like, I really like taking character concepts, even stuff that is just brought up mentioning. It just brought up as a mention. I try to I try to put it in my pocket, like with like Kalila and the Feth and the uh, the butterflies. Clyde actually affected more than just the Argaroth. Um, Thing. There's more into that he his story actually developed. Same with the Fibulous. Kalila, because she came out as a like Kalila is the youngest party member. She is literally just finished her apprenticeship with a, a bowmaster and has been sent out into the world. And the first thing she deals with is a cursed swamp. So it's that like it, it's an interesting an interesting process and even Faye like some of her stuff has changed some of the world since she came in like there's always my story is always trying to evolve because I really do want to incorporate what my my players and even not just that but stuff that other podcasts are doing um I I try to incorporate some of their stuff that they don't realize that I'm incorporating uh like dude where's my drifts got some call outs in our show no quest is gonna have some call outs in the shows like they're there's stuff like people that I engage with. Uh, Maximilian's actually a design off of uh, one of our old, uh, one of the people that used to follow us when we used to Twitch. He got uh, named off of off of Maxi. Yeah. yeah. Um, Nari's getting a character because she's been which really hasn't involved been introduced in yet. Yeah. Um, like there's there's a lot going on. Like I. I may not make a lot of notes out there and like people see it until it's ready, but I, I try to keep my ears to the ground and see what's going on around me. And this was all from the question of what your favorite NPC was. Yeah. Tangent. <laughs> Us tangent never. Yeah, that's never happened before. Don't know what you're talking about. 
What do you think was the most harrowing encounter? What encounter in the podcast just, you know, made your skin crawl and make you go, oh, dear God. That's my definition of harrowing, unless uh, See, I, I had a different idea here. In the Cursed Swamp, the very first time we laid all eyes on that um, that cursed dude that was at the well. Oh, he was creepy. saw him and we were like, oh. Yeah, he was creepy. And then I gave him a hug. <laughs> you tried to give him a hug. I don't think he hugged you back. No, he didn't hug me back, but but I, I forcefully hugged him. Rude that he didn't hug you back. Isn't it, though? Like, that, that, that's, that leads into my question of encounter. Does that necessarily mean a battle or not? Because that dictates my answer. I don't think it dictates as a, a battle. I think it's an encounter as in something that your players encountered or, or dealt with. That's how I'm looking at this as well. So go with that. I really like Clyde's answer, so I'm gonna like put a put a put a dash mark next to that one as well. Um, but I would say another one was uh, the giant skeletal hand rising out of the water on our ship, and I don't know, dragging us under the freaking sea. That was oh, yeah. a pretty harrowing encounter, I would say. Like, and, and washing up to this unknown shore. Kind of terrifying. And then I would say my last one, if I'm going to debate on three of these, is uh, the first uh, true fight against Defibulus's brother. Yeah, that was a good one. I say harrowing. I was going to say the, the rat that we blast the crap out of the decided to have a second health bar and start playing Latin music when we attacked it. <laughs> Just when you thought the enemy went down. I mean, it's really a solid and uh, useful GM trick, isn't it, Dan? Oh, yeah. Especially since it was the, like, down and he got right back up. Like, it was a down and the episode doesn't even end and he's standing. And the lyrics are in Latin. They No, to be fair, it was dubstep. <laughs> okay, I thought that fair. was a dwarf. That was the dwarf that we did, that we had more of the dubstep music. Nope. Was I there just dubstep the rat? Not, you, the players didn't hear it. So the shaman was, you guys could hear the music. Mm. The rat was, uh, the rat king is uh, music I added in post. Oh, okay. What about you, Faye? I'm, I'm actually going to say trying to keep her identity a secret. Uh, she finally finds a group that she kind of likes, actually. Um, she can be friends with these people, and she's afraid that they'll reject her for who she worships. That is hard. And, and not only that, she can't, literally cannot tell them the secret because it goes against the tenet of her faith to divulge a secret. So... Every time someone got close, her heart was in her throat. It was hard for her. Um, on a very personal level, that was really difficult for her. That's a nice, interesting twist, too. Instead of making it about an encounter, it's actually inwardly pulling it into the character. And uh, just the party itself can be a harrowing experience. Yeah, I kind of felt her on at least one of them in, in the cave. 
under the god spell mm. um, <laughs> when she burned the book. And there was that contested check for sense motive versus bluff. Figured about our Halloween thing would be dealing with uh, Kalila and Defibulous blowing stuff up. Well, strapped to a broom watching a battle. <laughs> yeah, that's that's been hard for her too. But that in particular, that they huh. might reject her when, for the first time in her thirty years, she might actually have a chance at not just fitting in but belonging. That's really difficult for her to to handle. So later, um, being able to be who she is is a relief for her. Yeah, and if a nice tail flap to the face doesn't seal the seal the deal, right? Right. right? So this will be really interesting for her if Clyde comes back for the final battle because he's going to immediately sense what's different with her, and she liked him as well. So that's going to be an interesting encounter again. But we will all be fighting the same side, so screw it. Hopefully. Yeah, coming back, there should be definitely some uh, interesting um, conversation that will happen right when Clyde uh, sees you because of the changes that you've gone through already. Yeah, I mean, flat out, her, her personal alignment hasn't shifted, but her aura now gives off evil tones. Sense evil. Hmm... Yes. That's evil. It beacon evil. It, it's gonna be. It's gonna be interesting. No, no, no. I, I'm saying like, that's another one. How many times has Clyde say sense evil? <laughs> Detect, Detect evil. evil. Detect evil. <laughs> At least once per episode. Right. I mean, standard paladin action, right? Oh yeah, standard. You, you can't play a paladin if you're not on constant detect evil beacon. So like, do I even need to have this spell on? Do I have to tell everyone I have it on? Because I mean, it's just on, guys. Come on. It's easier for me to say I am not detecting evil than to say I'm detecting yeah, evil. Yeah, exactly. Right. Evil onion. Evil onion. Yeah. <laughs> Faye is still wondering why Clyde smells like onion. <laughs> Do we get everybody's harrowing? I'm just making sure I'm recognizing everybody's voice correctly here. I think so. Yeah, I think so. All right. So the next one on the list was what do you think is the best RP moment so far? And uh, let's start with Clyde on that one. The best roleplay moment? Yes, what is the best roleplay moment so far, in your opinion? Uh, oh, man. Honestly, I, I'm almost going to have to go back to the doll, because I was so... It, it was very beginning in our campaign, and I was so hell-bent on, okay, this is a paladin, so his alignment's this, and it's an evil thing. Uh, you know, I, I'm going to have to go over there. So I think I, I tried to do that very well. But also the uh, <laughs> um, the the kinship that uh, uh, like that was brought up earlier, <laughs> the fibulas and Maitland when they started blowing up stuff, that was role played well. Like we blew up stuff. Yes, we did. That was great. Essentially, yeah. 
I liked that moment too. It was a very good RP of, of Kalila and Defibulous working together. Clyde's nowhere to be around, us sneaking away and trying to run for, away from this like, you know, pending explosion, right? Like classic movie scene is like, we're run, like 20 yards away from this building running like bats out of hell across this bridge. And then here comes Clyde seeing us hauling ass. And it's that whole like, what's going on get down get down yeah get down what are you doing it's gonna explode what do you mean there was there was some good moments uh, well i'm I, here shaking my head because i'm like i can't believe they just did this right like clyde is more like dis like completely disregarding the fact that this building is about to explode and it is more disappointed in his companions as to why they're exploding something than the actual explosion that. Yeah, because the explosion was warranted. It's just the fact that you exploded it. Right? You just needed more explosions. Just needed more explosions. Classic, you're not mad, you're disappointed. Yep. Well, like Clyde said earlier, it was like the older brother syndrome. I was like, really? I can't leave you guys alone for one minute. Yep, exactly. No, I think also like a good RP moment, and it was definitely in character. And I know it's been brought up before, but it was when we were, it was just after defeating Defibulus's brother. And we were taking shelter in this random house in the middle of the night. And there was this bad storm. And there was like this evil buried doll in the ground. And Clyde being the paladin can't, can't not do anything about it. And then us unearthing it, realizing that no one in the party can actually harm this thing because no one has magical weapons or something that harms the undead other than like him. And so we can't really fight this thing and it's gonna, and it starts to like run away. And Kalila's instinct is to chase it and to track it because they can't let this evil thing go off on the world. Cause that's the most important thing to the, that she's learned from Clyde watching this paladin is it's evil. It needs to be smited. So we need to track it and she's the best tracker, but he's sitting there arguing going, well, I can't attack it. I can't do anything. I'm out of spell slots. So we, even if you track it, you can't kill it. And I'm like, but if I don't track it, then we can't like, like the ring around that we had in that moment, I think was a really good role-playing moment because of how in character and defibulous is just like, um, guys, can we stop fighting? Yeah. Cause you know, me being the paladin, you know, it's that whole back and forth, like, okay, this is my party now. I have to protect him, but that's evil, but we can't do anything about it. So it goes towards, all right, I have to protect people rather than trying to do that. Like it almost came down to, I think, Clyde grabbing Kalila by the tail. Like one more minute, if it wasn't for like something that happened, I forget what, I'm pretty sure Clyde would have grabbed Kalila by the tail to stop her from going after that doll in the middle of a rainstorm. Oh, there's silence. Uh, let's move over to Defibulous then. What was our question? Because I think we I got lost on the tangent there for a bit. <laughs> the best RP moment. Um, it's really hard for me to just pick one moment, but I definitely feel like the interaction between Defibulous, you know, Mr. Loud Boomstick Gunslinger and Kalila with her. What is that noisy horrible sounding thing you just used why and then the fact that throughout just RPing between the two of them to the point where now we're both like yeah let's go blow this up because I mean that's just like 
to me, that's just wonderful because now Defibulous has corrupted her into the idea, yes, let's blow something up. She's gotten over the loud boom noises. That is excellent RP progression is what that is. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Gotta love character development. And sometimes that development is a kaboom, right? Multiple kabooms. Growth can be explosive, yes. You know, I have one to add to it that I think we overlook a lot. Is when we are in the bone temple and when we each entered into those rooms and we were like, when Clyde stepped in and was like, climbing a tree with his like his old childhood friend and like he was in the world that he was experiencing in his past in his life seeing the world that he knew and we're standing defibulous and i are standing on the sidelines being like why is he climbing onto this crappy cardboard stage prop oh, that was great. <laughs> i remember that now like that that was a good rp moment too Hey, do you have one to add? Do I have one that's kind of built up? Um, explosions get to her. Okay, that, that's... She's a librarian. She's used to a nice, quiet, calm, orderly workspace. And her home life is much the same. She lives alone. So here she's with these rowdy youngsters who are literally blowing things up around her. And that's way outside of her wheelhouse. So... She kind of began to dissociate what had happened, and she started playing pat-a-cake with Hugin, literally. Sat down and played pat-a-cake with him. Um, and it just kind of continued to build, the pressure did, and after the final boss, Under the Gods fell, she broke. She broke down completely and lost every bit of her mind for a minute. And admitted that she had a crush on Baka. Yeah, that too. Um, and, and just everything spilled out all at once, and... That is a, a normal reaction. I mean, she's 30 years old. She's never been outside the city, really, except for a few times. So all of this is very overwhelming to her, and she's trying to handle it as best she can. Nope, she has to lean on them. She has to ask them, how do you handle all of this weirdness? And many a moment of Kalila just sitting down, realizing while well, she likes to drink and handing her a shot of whiskey, going, let's talk. Yeah, that, that was perfect to uh, the, the discussion they had afterwards, um, lubricated by alcohol, was perfect. That was good character bonding and building, which they hadn't had a whole lot of time to do on a deeper, more emotional level. So to see the three characters sit down and hash some of that out um, and to begin to open up to each other more intimately than they had before was... Um, it was good to see. It was good to experience. I, I enjoyed that to see the party begin to knit together emotionally um, instead of just beginning to work together as a team. Uh, which, again, began to play into how Faye didn't want to lose them as friends based on who she worshipped. Right, because I think in that moment is too is when, you know, Kalila would explain where, you know, her past, where she came from and that she followed a flock of freaking butterflies. Like, like, right, and that's a, a city dweller. <laughs> right? She wasn't even a city dweller. Like, the whole she came from the holy city. Kalila's like a in a tiny village of a population of like 30 cat folk, you know. She hunts and lives in the forest. You know, she's as primitive as you can get, more or less the holy city, which is where Faye originated from. 
you know, so helping connect those, they, that was a good RP moment. I think another good one, now that I thought about it, was it wasn't even intentional, just having Defibrious respond back to Dan talking with like, do you guys hear that voice? Those are yeah, always that, funny. That's, that's been a good running gag. Yeah. I actually liked the uh, the first time everyone met Maximilian Loot Hoarder, the, the here, plant this seed and you'll you'll deal with a merchant. Who are you? What do you want? I owe you money. Now, what do you want? Mexi's first time with Mexi was great. Yeah. Mexi's first time with anybody is great. <laughs> right? It doesn't matter who you are. It's just good. So, is there any other uh, statements for best or favorite RP moment before I continue on the list? I think I'm good. I'm good. Now. All right, so next one. Uh, I'm curious if everyone has their own moment for this because, as a uh, a fellow uh, GM, I fully understand this statement. Dan, you do not get to answer this one, but I have an answer for this one. Fine, you answer last. That's fair. So, what was the biggest f you, Dan? moment that you've had in this game i have my favorite but i don't want to keep always going first and stealing the limelight unless everybody wants me to i'd say go ahead my go favorite f you dan is when defibulous rolled a nat 20 and intimidated the sun and made it roll back time that was absolutely <laughs> amazing yeah, that's favorite really moment in the game of F you, Dan. I just want to say I appreciate the fact that you let me intimidate the sun. Yeah, yeah. I don't think it's fair to waste an at 20. Pointed his gun up at the sun and told it, you get back there, mister. And the sun went, whoop. Which actually came in and as conversation in the Holy City, too, because I think they were talking about how there's a strange point where time turned back an hour. Mm-hmm. I think it's a secretly a time lord. And they say magic is fading from the world. <laughs> just daylight savings. <laughs> Crap, so that's the origin of daylight saving. It's defibulous. Oh, damn it. Just goes periodically threatens the sun forward or backwards depending on his mood. I think aside from the, intimidate, the sun, intimidating the sun, the best F you dead moment was like, all right, he's going to hit you with a nat 20. Well, I'm going to answer back with a nat 20. So there. Yeah, and there then, was a couple of times you guys did 20 for 20s. And then the ridiculous amount of damage that followed. I think mine is when it was like, Dan was like, why can't I hit you? Uh, because my AC is this and I'm <laughs> being very defensive. <laughs> Oh yes, the early paladin conundrum of everybody has an AC of like 21 to 24 and then you walk in with like a 30 freaking one and you're like, I can't hit me now, bitches. <laughs> I'm going to be defensive so I get a plus four. Wait, what? I'm in plate, I have a tower shield, and I'm taking a defensive stance and I'm a paladin. So let me just bork up your day. Yup. Yeah, for a little while, Clyde, it wasn't a moment. Clyde himself was just an F you, Dan. 
That's a wonderful encounter. It'd be a shame if you can't hit me. Right? I, um... I don't have one, actually. The uh, It's more like screw the dice, man. This sucks. I got like nat 20, nat 20 twice in a fight where I couldn't use an ability. Mm, yeah, when you got a shotgun to the chest twice. Right? Uh, but that's that's more <laughs> anger at the dice than the, the GM there. That'll make Clyde cringe. Yeah, here, have the rogue full-on charge a, a person with a shotgun. <laughs> See, I told you I was doing it wrong. See, it was like nat 20 in the first... Took the nat 20 and then he's like, eh, right before the end of the episode, another nat 20 and that's where we're calling it here. Yeah, he got two shots oh. off, so it was a nat 20 back-to-back. -back. Like, poor Faye. Just oh. a shotgun. Ouch. It was like half of my health, two-thirds of my health, something like that, and two shots. It was terrible. I was so mad, but it was not his fault. That's just what the dice did. She learned not to go with charging in non-melee classes. Charge! Uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. Oh, he's crying, isn't he? Mm. I, I, mm, I, I don't know what to say. Needless to say, <laughs> we created a cheat sheet of how to play a rogue and gave her a bunch of players. <laughs> they did. Oh, I, oh good. I'm not a rogue player! It was funny. And, and as I'm playing a hunter, I'm becoming, like, crowd control spellcaster, like, it makes no bloody sense. And my biggest F you to me is I created Wild Shot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's so much fun. 900, no, 300 possible effects. Yeah, as a DM, yeah, I see that making you go, Bleh. Yeah. Oh, there's so much fun. We summoned a buffet table of food. That yeah. was a good one. That was good. I, I, would... I enjoyed that. I would say, though, I think, like, my biggest for as far as Kalila, like, I love the Defibulous one, but as far as, like, in combat, every time I get to roll Black Cat and make you re-roll, because you always forget that I have Black Cat, and I'm like, oh, you hit me? No, you didn't. Take a minus four penalty and re-roll. And this is why I'm weak for Black Cats. I love Black Cats. <laughs> this is why I'm hot. This is why I'm hot. Uh, age check. We're gonna roll right out of this question and into the next. <laughs> so it's two-parter. How does it feel to not have any pure spellcasters, such as a wizard, sorcerer, magus, etc.? And how nice was it to get a cleric finally for some healing magic? <laughs> Faye does not heal. Right? That's the funny part. Faye does not heal. If anything, Kalila's the healer through her companion, Hugin. Yeah, I'm just reading the question as it is here, so, right? you know. <laughs> I know, but I'm so amused. Um, no, her domains are trickery and deception, of all things. She does have the spell, but it's generally not one that I prepare. Yeah, and, and the whole, like, don't have any pure spellcasters. Have you not looked at my hunter? <laughs> I mean, hunter is not a... Hunter isn't a pure spellcaster by by rights. Yes, but the way I use her, <laughs> this is why I'm not allowed to play a druid or a caster. I think I use her spells more than I use her bow. Mm, I almost think they're more tied at this point. Okay. Yeah, you, you tend tied. to do, you kind of have like a one hit combo, one two combo 
Like, you usually throw something that is detrimental to me, and then we'll hit with the bow. Yeah, I like to crowd control. Because one of your go-to spells is Graph Bow. Okay, yeah, well, that just gives me extra damage on my bow. Goes from, like, an 8 to a 10. That's nothing to sneeze at. Right? No. Like a whole die of damage? Exactly. I mean, I know as a GM, it's it's an interesting thing to see a party with no pure spellcasters, because usually, like, your classic D&D is, like, you know, a knight or a paladin, a rogue, uh, a fighter, and a cleric. Someone who's magic-based, yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, I've circumvented it by having potions and stuff added to the Mexi shop to help them out. Yeah, the Mexi shop helps, for sure. And now that Defibulus can cast some spells... <laughs> I've always been able to cast them. I just... That should have been listed as one of the good RP moments. <laughs> Their very first spell was... Oh, Clyde. Clyde. Defibulus's very first time casting a spell. There was, like, this dead body on the ground, and, you know, there was some interesting equipment, and Kalila's going over there to investigate it, and he uses, like... I don't know what spell it was to make it the sound voice jump, so it made it sound like the body went, hey, how you do? And and scared Kalila to the point where she, like, went full cat fluff. <laughs> it was classic, and it was a perfect first use. And I'm, It was a yeah. ghost sound is what it was. Major applause on that one. It was it was great, it, and Defibulous even, like, messaged Dan privately, so even me as a player, I was caught off guard. So even me, like, that was a genuine reaction of Kalila would literally, like, make that, like, kind of quick with a jump back for full fluff ready to attack because this thing, this dead thing just talked to her. It was absolutely fantastic is what that was. <laughs> but no, um, with the whole, like, not having, like, an actual dedicated pure spellcaster and whatnot it is as even as a dm it's still really cool to see that we don't we can function as a group without having to go th with the traditional you know we have a healer we have a spellcaster we have a tang blah blah blah, blah. it's yeah. so much more entertaining to see a group that doesn't have to conform to the basic parameters of a group it has boned us on occasion, though, where we're like, does anybody have detect blah, 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 and nobody has it. I have detect explosions. Well, you are I, the cause of the explosion. I, I, used to, I used to be able to heal. I'm sorry that I can't. Yeah, right? Our, we lost our fighter, our tank, and our healer all at once. I am now dodge tanking. It sucks. Thank you. Oh, <laughs> yeah, no now dodge she's Yeah, like a... God. Yeah, she's more of like dervish dancer rogue, so I, I have an ability from my cleric multiclassing that lets me shadow step when an enemy misses me with a melee attack. So oh. she's extremely dodgy. Except for shotguns. Except for shotguns. <laughs> Man, I don't know anybody that can dodge a shotgun point blank, okay? The people who are Neat. smart enough not to get point blank? Hey, he's out of line, but he's got a point. Right? I, I personally, as a player, was not on top of my game that day. <laughs> no, you weren't. Oh, boy. 
All right, so shall we continue on with the uh, the last question that we have from uh, from the Dude, Where's My Drift podcast? Yes. So I honestly love this one. What was your favorite moment in the podcast? And uh, I'd like to actually start with uh, with Bay being the uh, the newest character in here, if I remember correctly. And then I want to end with Dan. Favorite moment overall? Favorite moment in the podcast? Being asked to join. No. As a character or as a person? I think it's for you. Like, you the person. Yes. Either you way. As a, you as a person. Like, I, I honestly would be work, uh, looking at this one as a you as a person. What is your favorite part? Not like a moment you did, but more of a what is your favorite part of the podcast? Okay. Anything that you feel in your heart is like, this is my favorite part of the podcast. Go. Being asked to join. Um something is happening here and it's actually really awesome i'm enjoying it as a person i'm enjoying it as a player i'm enjoying it as a listener and i'm enjoying it as a character um being asked to join on each level and each step of the process the character creation the session zero the introduction to the party um has all been really fun and kind of an honor to be here so that's my favorite part of the podcast is simply joining it Let's move over to uh, Clyde next. What's your favorite part of the podcast? Um, honestly, I think it's like the camaraderie uh, because we all know each other. Um, now, I didn't get to um, go further and get to know, you know, our lovely rogue, roguelik, roguelik, fair, roguelik, roguelik. I'll take roguelik. <laughs> Um, very well, but um, I think that was one of the best parts of this podcast, doing it in the camaraderie because we all work well together to begin with. Uh, let's go ahead and uh, move to uh, Nightland this time. What is your favorite part of the podcast? That one's, that one's so hard for me to pinpoint. Uh, just Just the sheer fact that there's that that's a lot for me the, the sheer fact that it exists like this is a brainchild of dan's that was a whimsical like thing to do like he'd always ran amazing epic campaigns particularly in star wars and i loved his storytelling i loved how he absolutely butchered the systems <laughs> like seriously they're, they're, oh my god and the way that he would 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 do things, and then he just one of these days, just out of out of nowhere, was just like, "I want to, I want to do a tabletop RPG podcast." I'm like, "Let's do it!" Like, being a game designer, knowing only half of the crap that it takes to make a podcast and he knows the other half of the crap that that it takes to make a podcast like and getting to do it with all of my friends like i know each and every single one of everybody on here and i have known them for like literally over like half my life all of them i have known for 10 plus years and it's it's a little bit on the ridiculous side 
So just kind of taking a little bit of both, like with what Clyde said of the camaraderie, I get to talk and enjoy and play games with my best friends and just the sheer creation of something that has developed from this, like being pushed and pulled in so many different ways in the creation of this process while also getting to do it alongside of my friends. Like, I don't know if there's a word for that, but just, just the fact that it exists and we're doing it is, is kind of what I love. Gonna say I have kind of have to follow suit with the rest of them, but that just the simple fact that for one, I'm doing a podcast because I never thought I would be involved in something like that in my life. And the fact that I get to share all of it with not just my friends here, but with other people I don't even know who are downloading and listening to this and, and that they get to partake and enjoy the weirdness that is this campaign and the people here and people here in this game. It's just, it's phenomenal. And yeah, just the fact that I may not, I mean, I, I live ways away from everyone here. You're on the and, West coast. Yeah. Yeah. And I still get to hang out and have game with my friends every other week. And to me, that's amazing. Cause that's just something I've always wanted to continue in my life. So yeah, just the fact that I'm doing a podcast, we have a podcast and I get to hang out and game with my friends. So all of it's just absolutely amazing to me. And I love the fact that you in particular, Defibulous, has met actual fans. Like people are like, oh my God, you're Defibulous. <laughs> like you're the first one to, to get that nice. out of all of us. Like, yeah, that's pretty cool. I, I love that. Considering one of my coworkers, the guy who was training at my last job, was listening to the podcast and didn't even realize it until I named the podcast. And he's like, wait that's you i'm like yeah that's me that's what i love you got hired to work somewhere and the guy who hired you already listened to what the dice and then realized you were defibulous that's cool it was so so cool like i i would say that is is probably one of my favorite moments in in the podcast like the life of the podcast right like that's that's a good one that that is achievement unlocked IRL. That is amazing, and it's really <laughs> cool. Now it's Dan's turn. Um, last but not least. Uh, sorry, I'm a little teary-eyed. Um, I don't know. Like, it's. I mean, I can't say that this has been super easy on my end. I mean, I, I'm doing a lot, and I have. I started this as just a way for me and my friends to hang out. And I, I was like, you know what? I'm going to record it and I'm going to edit it and I'm going to put it out there. And in that process, I have met a lot of people online and Twitter and stuff like that, that I have grown to enjoy just hanging out and I'm in their discords and You've grown a lot socially. Yeah, like, I I am not an extrovert in, like, me, Dan. I am not an extrovert. But the minute I started doing Dan the GM, the minute I started doing the podcast, and I started getting into this rhythm, and you can kind of tell when I'm, I'm in 
I don't want to say in character, but when I am in my moment, um, I have different energies and it's growing as a person has been just something I did not expect. And I mean, if you've heard any of the intros, it's always, Hey guys, it's Dan, the GM. I, sometimes I can be in a rut and I'll start editing. And the minute I start those intros, my day gets better. And, you know, sitting and working on mind mapping with Nightland and helping Defibulous make stuff and edit stuff in the Mexi shop has been like all of it. Like I've, it's been years since I've done creative outlet within a group. I have a theater degree and in college, that was a lot of the fun was those production meetings, but they, they weren't as free-formed. This is very much watching something grow. And it's like, I, I have met some amazing people. I've met, not met, but I chat with a, a lot of amazing people. People like that have sent, submitted questions. Nari, uh, K from Dude, Where's My Drift? DT. DT is constantly active in our, our Discord. And even like the very first collab I did was with Dice Carnival. And I got to meet some amazing GMs and I hear these other stories and it makes me try harder as a storyteller. And it makes me feel more connected with people. Uh, it, I, I guess more of like, it makes me feel like I don't know. Like, I don't know how to, to word it. it it's a podcast has helped you grow. Yeah. So, I mean, I don't know. Like, it's been a lot of fun and I, I've gotten so much out of it. And, you know, I also feel like throughout the, the show, with the help of everyone, I've gotten better with voices and things like that. Like, I don't have the, the, the generic, like, gruff old man, like, even my gruff old men have different variations, and that's thanks to to Nightland going, hey, you should probably say it this way. Eh, you know, I don't like that voice. So, I don't know. And, uh, I, I actually can respect all of that right there. Like, that's just... I'm on the outside here and I'm getting feels from all this. <laughs> <laughs> no, I I have to admit that uh you know, it, this is a this is a really good group. Dan, you've got a good group of players and players, you have a really good person in Dan here. I'm I'm glad to see you all connect this way. I think we're really glad to be connected this way. It's a passion project that has just become a part of our lives and we're all unwilling to give it up. Even if life says otherwise. That's temporary. True. Exactly. Temporary. Because the, 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 we said it last year and we'll say it again this year. There is always a seat for you, Clyde. When your life gets finally back to a point, you can airdrop right back in at any point in time. And that would be great. 
Nice thing, man. You checked the Mexi shop. We're still making items out there for you, too. Yeah, we're still making equipment for you. Oh, I haven't looked at that. We, we've it's overhauled scary. it. <laughs> Overhaul's putting it mildly. Mm. So is that putting it lightly or politely? Lightly. I was expecting a both, but okay, I'll take that. <laughs> and I mean, like, we also... One of the things is I also want to get more with the community. Like, we have a Discord that is open for anyone to join. And, I mean, I'm always looking for conversations. Like, there's times I'm at work and I'm just on Discord chatting. Um, and it's not just about the show. Like, we also want people to come in. And if you have a crappy day and you just want to sit down and just BS with someone. Or you need lovable cat pictures sent your way. I have two cats and they're adorable. I have a meme library you got a bad day i got something to make you laugh i promise yeah like i live in discord so i'm always there <laughs> yeah i'm nowhere yeah that too um but that's the other thing is this show was more than just for us and it, it was more than just to get our story out there we also wanted to build a community and we want people to know that if you guys need just someone to to bend their ear and just you know talk about how you had a crappy day we got a spot for you or you need help with sound engineering yep i uh i do all my editing in audacity and i've learned a lot of tricks and i'm always willing to set aside a couple of minutes and help out where i can i may not have the answer but I'll damn well help you any way I can. I'll give you my advice and show you tricks I've used. But what the dice, though we're a bunch of weird people, we want those, we want people to feel accepted. And that's what we're here for, too. It's why we have a fancy, a fancy man named Baka Bakalova. Fancy man org named Baka. There is a seat for you at our Discord. Yes. And in season two, we are going to try new things. And I know that I'm trying to set up a, a pre-season two for collabs. I want to bring in other people to um, sit down at my table and try our story out before we start up our season two. Mostly to give our team a, a short break. But I want everyone to know that what the dice is more than just... Me, Kalila, Defibulous, Faye, Clyde. It's. It's. More of a, a, a small community that we're trying to build. And our story is just a story. It's one small part about us that we want to share. And there's more about us. And we're always willing to sit down and talk with people. I don't know. That, that's all I got. <laughs> and speaking of that, veterans, reach out. I'm a vet too. If you're struggling, if you need anything, if you just want somebody who gets it, I'm on Discord. Hit me. Or the neurodivergent. I lead the charge in the ADHD department. I have a kid on the spectrum. I can help you on that end too. <laughs> yeah, I'm not there a parent. Is, there is acceptance here. I also have a stepdaughter who is on the spectrum. You're, if you're listening, and 
I want you all to know that, you know, there's always a place for you. There's, we've all been in dark places and I want to thank everyone on the team and librarian for, for joining me today. Uh, it, it's been a crazy two years. But it's the best kind of crazy. Hopefully this is just a sign of many more. Yeah. And you know what? I wouldn't change this. All right. I would change some things for the last two years, but I wouldn't change this show. I would change the whole COVID thing. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. I mean, I mean, honestly, though, that I thought this was part of the reason we threw this together was because there was COVID and we couldn't do stuff, too. You know, it actually started like three months before COVID hit. We started in November of 2019. Yeah. And then COVID hit. So, like, we've survived the apocalypse together through rolling some some clacky clacks wait i thought we were supposed to cause the uh apocalypse did i get the wrong no 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 we don't cause the apocalypse we technically summon satan i thought we were trying to stop the apocalypse no that's in game the apocalypse you guys are trying to stop the bone god he's not the apocalypse same difference no it's not how do you know he's not the good guy? I still think you guys are the bad guys. I'd like to roll to blow up the apocalypse. <laughs> not blow 20. Up something that doesn't exist. Are you sure about that? How do you know Mexi's not the bad main villain? It's been Mexi. Ooh, plot twist. <laughs> I could see it. But uh, on a better note, and for some announcements on the the tail end for backlogs of stuff for you the listener we are still planning a season two it will be Shadowrun fifth edition and we have pretty much decided we are going to coin that season as Shadowrun gone saints row um oh god i know we are uh we are gonna homebrew a lot of stuff it's what we do Yes, yeah. just like our coffee. Um, yeah, I, I'm. If you guys join our Discord, we have a channel just for name suggestions, and it's more than just for runners. I will need all sorts of stuff like stores, runner names, uh, NPCs. Johnsons, NPCs. Like I'm going, to, I have an entire world I have to develop. I am more than willing to accept as many names as you can produce a week. If you produce a bunch, great. If you don't, one still helps. Um, so you want me to dump, dump like 18 pages worth of names to you at some point? Not you. You got enough work to do. <laughs> <laughs> what people don't realize is just that there is a backlog of all the items that uh, Defibulous has created. And it's like 18 pages worth. Uh, yes. 64. Seriously? Yeah, between all the documents that I have that are all just random items, yes. A lot of them have to be retweaked and remodified for the new store format. Oh my god, somebody hire this dude, seriously. Well, if you want to help us out, we are always accepting things over on Patreon. For a dollar, you can do all sorts of things, and I believe we talked about making it to where you can add your own custom weapon to the Mexi shop for a dollar a month. You can submit an item a month, or if you you become like 
Ethan, you can submit multiple. Uh, we have a $5 and a 15 and you can have all like our maps and character yep. sheets and the crazy things that I've created, bestial wise. Yeah. I would always, I'm always down to see people's new ideas for equipment and items. I'm always down for that. No, yeah, you did help me populate a list of a D100 roll table for items after a quest on, in another campaign on another server. And so far that list has been pretty fun to, to, to dole out. Nobody's been unhappy with anything they've gotten. Oh, good. Yeah. Also, I think uh, on our Patreon, you get access to our wild shot list. Yeah, uh, I believe it's, I forget which one it is, but we are going to release at the end of the season, we are going to release our Mexi shop and our wild shot. And our wild shot is literally 100% custom. I sat down after multiple pages cr uh, crashed on us. I sat down and wrote 300 wild shot effects that are like wild magic based and we will be adding that into one of our discord or one of our uh, membership tiers and that you know that's going to do more than just help us keep the show running um my goal is to eventually be able to pay everyone for everything they've done it's going to be a while but i'm working on it so oh and we're on youtube i keep forgetting we're on youtube <laughs> we're on everything we've spread yeah. out like mini cockroaches I actually really appreciate that, that you've taken the time to be on so many different platforms because whenever somebody asks, well, where do I listen to you? I can go, here, check this website. Choose what you're most comfortable with. Yeah. Yeah, there's a and, link tree for that. And it's on our webpage, whatthedice.weebly.com. Um, I'm not sure what the link tree is. I think, give me a sec. I will pull that up. Our link tree is linktr.ee forward slash whatthedice. And from there, you'll get an full act you'll uh, get all the places that we are putting our stuff out there and if i've missed anything let me know i'll make sure that we get on there and one of the things that we've done that is actually thanks to youtube is we post our episodes as um on a slightly different schedule on tuesdays and if you are hard of hearing you can go to youtube and turn on subtitles and they're not 100% accurate, but at least you'll be able to enjoy the show. And I, I wanted to make sure that that is stated out there. I personally am one of those people who prefers to read things, so subtitles are excellent, excellent technology. Take advantage of it. Yeah. So, crew, anything you guys want to say before we call it a day? Jack has blessed us with his purring presence. <laughs> Yay, kitty blessings. The Fibulous Glide? Mm, I just kind of want to thank everybody. Um, I haven't really gotten to do much in a very long time, but I'm really thankful for this podcast and for anybody and everybody who listens to it. I'm so happy you got to join us again today. It was a genuine <laughs> surprise. surprise. Uh, excellent, excellent surprise. It's good to hear your voice again. I'm glad you're doing okay, and I hope everything continues to improve for you. Thank you very much. What she said. She's good with the wordy words. No, I'm good with the words at the moment. All right. So, uh, Mr. Uh, Librarian Man, anything you want to say on our way out? I just want to say thanks for having me uh, on board here for the uh, the Q&A shenanigans, letting me moderate this and uh, try to herd cats to be somewhat coherent. But it has been a wonderful time being here to listen to these stories and... Uh, 
help you all move them forward for this uh, second annual Q&A. Hopefully we can see more of these in the future. All right. And uh, if you guys want to check out any of Tony's stuff, Tony, where can they find your stuff? Plug you. Yes. So I am available on most of uh, websites as a librarian NPC. That's librarian PC. And uh, if you hit me up on Twitter, you will find me trolling around the uh, various RPG threads and forums. Uh, you can also find me on uh, librarianNPC.card, C-A-R-R-D dot C-O. And that will actually put you with all of my links, including my digital stores, my physical store for 3D prints, which is coming soon, as well as all the other projects as they arise. I got plenty of games coming and a couple already out there. So take a look, please. I'm always up for hearing what people think about the crazy things I'm creating. And all of those links will be in the description of this episode. Same with everyone that submitted questions. Hey, thank you all. So unfortunately, that is all the time we have for today. So as always, my friends, may the dice gods bless your every role.